Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Welcome, Allison Stewart. We are so happy to have you on Selected Shorts. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. So all of it on WNYC Radio is such an important arts and culture show. And you really give literature a big boost, which is something that we also aim to do here on Selected Shorts. And it seems to me that you are someone who wears the sandwich board for fiction, as I like to put it. Do you agree with that? (laughs) So true. We try to, in so many different ways just get people to understand how much you can get out of reading a book of fiction. I think everybody these days is immediately going to the news and information aisle and memoirs, which are all great. Love to read those. Love to have those guests on our shows, too. But there's something about fiction and going into another world. I really admire fiction writers who who world build. I think I have great admiration for that. And as just a fan of fiction, I love being taken somewhere. There was a a kind of heated conversation on Twitter recently. Can you believe it? A heated conversation on Twitter? (laughs) Have you heard of such a thing? Um, It was about the role of fiction when the world is in such a terrible crisis. And, you know, there was a a sort of argument for uh, the necessity of nonfiction over fiction by one person who seemed to think that fiction didn't matter as much now. And then, as you might also guess, lots of people vehemently disagreed. So I'm curious what you think the role of fiction is during troubling times. Yeah, no, I'm mulling it over because I could make both arguments, <laughs> which is, and also they're, they're nuanced, which is uh, something you don't get on the Twitter. Um, if I had to make the argument for fiction in difficult times is I think you have to take a break from the onslaught of the news and things that are difficult. And by taking those breaks, you can go back to that very important information and those very important events happening in our world with fresh eyes, with having taken a moment to rest. Also, I think fiction and some of the great fiction in this world, you can learn to sympathize You can be exposed to different cultures by different writers. You can learn about different people's journeys through fiction. Right. Yeah, there was that study, I think, that the New York Times reported on that said people who read fiction had a greater capacity for empathy, um, which is something we sort of suspected might be the case. But, you know, there was data to back it up, apparently. But do you read more nonfiction now? I'm reading a lot of biographies. I'm finding reading historical biographies really helpful in understanding how we got to where we are. I'm 55, so I remember Jimmy Carter kind of as a kid. But reading Jonathan Alter's Jimmy Carter, A Life, gave me, you know, through my adult eyes, getting to read about what was happening when I was a kid and having those kid memories, you know, of the gas crisis and the odd and even license plates and all that, and of the hostage crisis. I felt so much smarter after reading that book. Wow. So do you think your tastes are still changing? Are they in flux right now? I am more and more impressed with people who finish books. (laughs) 
I just think it is such an incredible task, even the ones that are bad, because sometimes, sometimes I get a bad book. <laughs> sometimes you read one, you think, oh, I don't, okay. But then I think somebody really poured themselves into this. Yep. I was actually talking to a couple of friends the other day, and they were talking about putting books aside much more than they had in the past. And I guess that's a thing that's happening right now. I think you have to give a book at least a second chance. At least, I can think of books that I really liked that the, I just couldn't get into at first. And then maybe it just wasn't the right time. Right. Not every book is a hook, but I feel like there's a certain point at which the reader asks of the book, or of the writer, really, why are you telling me this? And you want the book, the writer, to give an answer. And if you don't get an answer, you, you might think, I don't know why I'm being told this. I have other things I want to read. But you have to give a book a chance to reveal its imperative, I think. I think all media, no matter what the media is, your biggest competition is time, is people's time. So I can understand why someone would want, if I'm giving you 20 minutes of my time today, I really want that 20 minutes to be good. <laughs> so I can understand someone putting a book aside if they don't feel like they're getting something. But I do really think you have to give a book a second chance. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about some things that we are not putting aside. At the live selected shorts that you hosted at Symphony Space, you said that on all of it, you celebrate artists, thinkers, doers, people who make things. And all the authors on this program have been guests on your show. Their stories are about love and haunting. They're about the things that we long for. And I think also the things that we wish would just disappear, would just go away. <laughs> How did you decide which stories to pick? What made these stand out for you? You know, it was more the authors than even the stories. Oh, wow. If I can be completely frank. Yeah, please. The authors of these short stories, I think each have such a distinct voice. They are each, <laughs> this is going to sound so cheesy, they're each people I'd like to have a glass of wine with. Um, and note to self, be someone that Alison Stewart wants to have a glass of wine with and note to all authors out there. I mean, just in the way that they write and the way that they all observe and also in the way that they all have such great imagination, I can just imagine having a terrific conversation with one of the, any one of these authors aside from their work. And then of course I did have conversations with them about their work and they were extraordinary in their descriptions of how they work and why they work. I was more about, I like these authors than the particular stories, to be honest. When you say voice, is it the voice of the writer? Is it the voice of the character? Is it the voice of the story? Or is it impossible to tell the difference? I think certain writers, because I, I, I read a lot. I read two or three books a week. I think certain writers have, and by voice, voice is almost the atmosphere they create. That's their magic fairy dust they sprinkle on their books. <laughs> that way you, the way you know, oh, that's a Louise Erdrich's book. Oh, that's an Emma Straub novel. Oh, I know that. That feels like a per insert person here novel. And it doesn't mean that the stories are same or redundant. I think it's almost a little bit like a film director. You recognize a film director's style. It's sometimes hard to say exactly what it is, but I know what you're talking about. I'm getting excited sort of hearing this because, right, you hear a line and you're like, that is so X. 
And you can't exactly say why, but you could pick that out. It's sort of like I remember being in the playground when my first child was little, and I could pick his face out from <laughs> all the way across the entire playground. It stuck out for me. The way writers I love, their words, their voice will just jump out. And pacing. I think pacing is one of the most underrated parts of writing. Yeah, I think a lot of times, at least for me, pacing comes out in revision. Revision is like one of the greatest things that a writer has mm. in his or her arsenal to go back and say, is the pacing right? To read it out loud and then maybe to get it right. You have more chances than that first time that you put it down. I will remember that next time I'm trying to write something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, revision. It's just, it's not anybody's favorite or sexy <laughs> part of writing, but it really matters, of course. That was a bit of my conversation with Allison Stewart, the host of WNYC's All of It. I'm Meg Wallitzer. Thanks so much. Thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.